0: This is the Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: All right, continuing along on this Sunday morning, a gorgeous Sunday morning in the New York City area. Enjoyed our hour of golf talk, as I always do in this slot, filling in for uh, Anita Marks. Now we get to the rest of the sports world. We get to the baseball. I know that's really depressing. We get to the football. That used to be depressing. There was a five-year period in New York. where talking about our local football teams it was depressing. That is no longer the case. We'll have some uh, basketball thoughts and plenty more uh, over the, next, uh, the course of the next three hours up until noon here on 98.7 ESPN New York. I promised, I didn't promise, but I kind of had it in my head that I would not lead any more shows this season with this topic, and that is the New York Mets. Because once they traded away six veterans at the trade deadline or just ahead of the trade deadline, including future Hall of Famers Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and waved the white flag on their season, they ceased to be relevant. But sometimes, sometimes in sports, a person or a team can be so incompetent, so unprofessional... So embarrassing that they have to be the topic of conversation. Now, the Mets would have done themselves a favor by trading away all of that high-priced talent, all of that accomplished talent. We know what they're trying to do. And just getting to the end of the season without further incident. And it took them, what, a week? A week and a half where they happened to find... A new low. They found a new low yesterday. They went in the span of two games yesterday. A split doubleheader, by the way, at City Field. Because God forbid you let your fans who have had to endure this disaster of a season. God forbid you let them see two games for the price of one. No, no, no. We've got to pay two separate admissions. So you can watch us lose 21-3. to To the Atlanta Braves, once again, our arch rivals rubbing our faces in the dirt of our own home field. And then, if you want more, you've got to leave the ballpark, you've got to get back in line, and you've got to pay to watch us get shut out six to nothing. And that's what they did yesterday 27 to three. They would have been better off, and what they wanted to do was stay below the radar the rest of the season. There's nothing left to say. There's nothing left for Steve Cohen to say. There's nothing left for Billy Epler to say. Buck Showalter to say. Although, if you read the articles that are now coming out on ESPN.com, in the New York Post, if you read the articles, there's plenty of people in this Mets locker room who have a lot to say. They just don't seem to want to put their name to any of the quotes. Cowardly. The season's a disaster. You're taking shots at a future Hall of Famer in Justin Verlander, the only guy, by the way, who seemed to do his job this year. Yeah, he was hurt for the first month the first six weeks of the season. And when he came back, it took him about six starts to find some consistency. But once the month of June hit through the end of July, for those two months, Justin Verlander was arguably the best pitcher in baseball. He didn't ask for a trade. He didn't ask for a conversation with management. If he was disconcerted about what was going on, which you, how could you not be if you're anybody of any clout in that locker room, and he wanted to get answers from the front office, he kept it out of public view. From my perspective, Justin Verlander is the only guy in the Mets organization who should have his head held high this year. He went out, he performed, he did his job. He didn't ask for a trade when the chips got down. At least he didn't do so publicly. He was the opposite of Max Scherzer. And now you're hearing stories that that Verlander is a diva. That he and Scherzer have this friction, going back to when they were teammates a decade ago in Detroit. And all of that might be true. But I'm sorry. The public perception from me and those who have been paying attention, but I'll just speak for myself right now. The public perception for me is this. Verlander got hurt. He came back. He had a choppy beginning. He did his job for two months. And at the end of his tenure in New York, he was pitching as well as anyone in Major League Baseball. Every time the Mets, and we held out hope, how many Sunday mornings have we spent together here? Talking about, It's a rubber match of a three-game series for the Mets today. If they can win this game and win this series and get some momentum and have a good week and take advantage of a soft spot in the schedule coming up, they can make a run at the second wild card. It never happened. And Justin Verlander is not the reason why it never happened because every time they needed that guy to perform, he did. And I'm not getting on here this morning to try to be the voice of reason or the voice of support for Justin Verlander. He doesn't need that from me. And do I think there's an element to Justin Verlander being a diva? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he has shown some diva-like qualities throughout his career when he was with Houston, when he was with Detroit before that. But you know what he is? He's a tough, tough dude on the mound. And at the end of the day, he did his job. So what you're getting from the Mets, and this is outside of the futility and the absolute disgusting display They put forth on the field yesterday. What you're now getting from the Mets, you're getting all of these leaks from within the locker room. And again, this has become a Mets trait. Go back to earlier this year when Marcus Stroman in Chicago, former Met Marcus Stroman, shut them down. And after the game, and showed them up on the field and rubbed their noses in it. Because that's who Stroman is. Stroman's a big mouth. He's a loud mouth. When the, going's t- uh, when the going is good for Stroman, he's going to let you know about it. When the going's bad, he'll blame somebody else. But when the going's good, Stroman's going to let you know about it. And the going was really good that night. And he let the Mets know about it. You should have kept me. He had an axe to grind with them. And after the game, you heard from within the clubhouse that they weren't surprised that Stroman went over the top. But you know what else? You got out of those quotes, no name attached to them. Again, players in the locker room requesting anonymity. Why? If you're going to say something about somebody else, put your name to it. Who's the unnamed Met who called Verlander a diva? Who's the unnamed Met who called out Marcus Stroman after Stroman shut them down earlier this year? Why are you afraid to put your name to it? It's bad enough that you can't perform on the field, but now off the field, this is turning into a clubhouse of cowards. And it brings to mind the word culture. The culture at City Field right now is rotten. It's completely rotten to the core. And it's a result, unfortunately, last year was a magic carpet ride. The year before wasn't terrible. They got the new owner last year, Steve Cohen, firmly in control. They hired a top flight manager, the guy who everybody wanted, the guy who everybody wanted for years. Yankee fans wanted him. Med fans wanted him. Met fans got him in Buck Showalter. They brought in Max Scherzer. They got, for the most part, a healthy season out of Jacob deGrom. They got career years from Jeff McNeil, from Starling Marte, from Francisco Lindor, from Pete Alonso, from Brandon Nimmo. Up and down the lineup, it was a magic carpet ride until it all went bad the last two weeks of the season. And now in hindsight, at the time, you thought maybe that was an anomaly. Maybe the way that they finished the season last year was just having a couple of bad weeks at the worst possible time. And that the real Mets were the team that won 101 games last year. And with a tweak here and a tweak there, by the way, career year from Edwin Diaz. Sorry, Edwin, I forgot about you because you haven't pitched at all this year. And that's a big part of the problem, as we know. But a tweak here, a tweak there, the Mets would still be a 101-win team. And if they don't have a slump The last two weeks of the season, they could make a run. Well, as it turns out, the team that we saw the end of last year in the Atlanta series, where you needed to win one game to secure the division title and got swept, the team that lost in the first round to the Padres, getting blown out in game one, fighting back to force a decisive game three with a win in game two, and then no showing in game number three. It turns out those were the real Mets because that is the team that we have seen this entire season. That is the team that couldn't beat the Rockies, that couldn't beat the Cardinals, that got swept by the Tigers, that got swept by the Blue Jays after they had swept the Phillies. This team had too much talent on it to be in position where they are right now. A $364 million payroll. The highest single-season payroll in the history of American sports. And what do they have to show for it right now? They are, I believe this term has been used before, they are the worst team money can buy. At 52 and 65. And yesterday they just reached rock bottom. Yesterday was a new low in a season full of lows. 21 to 3? Are you kidding me? And then you have another game. You get a solid pitching performance. Jose Quintana has pitched four games. He's got a 3.03 ERA. He's pitched well every single game, and he's 0 4. What does that say about this team? You get embarrassed. You force your fans to come back in and pay a new gate for game number two, and then you don't score. And you get five hits, and you lose six to nothing. You were in that game in the fifth inning. But when Atlanta finally scores a run off of Quintana in the fifth, you knew the game was over. And was Buck Showalter resting his regulars? No. Nimmo played. Lindor played. Alonzo played. McNeil played. Alvarez played. Vogelbach played. That's their lineup. They are a complete joke right now. This is the last thing that they needed. What is happening right now is much worse than being irrelevant. The Mets would sign for irrelevant in a moment if they could right now. But this isn't irrelevant. It's hard to ignore 27-3. I can't say it without laughing. 27-3. to 3. And of course it was the Atlanta Braves. It's always been the Atlanta Braves. Since the late 90s, it has always been the Atlanta Braves. It was the Braves in 99. It was the Braves last year. It's the Braves this year. It has always been the Braves. And the scary thing is, and this is a a theme that I have been on regarding the Yankees for a long time now to make a comparison between the two disappointing teams in this town, and we'll get to the Yankees. But Yankee fans that are hoping for better days next year that this is just a down season are going to have a rude awakening because the Yankee situation is going to be difficult to dig out from. The Mets are in the same boat. Yes, the Mets unloaded a lot at the trade deadline. But they also, this is this is who their team's going to be next year. Lindor's going to be here. Alonso's going to be here. McNeil is going to be here. Nimmo's played well. Marte is getting paid $39 million over the next two years. He's going to be here the most dangerous place to be in sports as a fan is to pin all of your hopes on just that, on hope. And that is the situation the Mets fans are going to be in next year. Hope that Lindor has a better season, that Alonzo stays healthy and has a better season, that McNeil is the guy who won the batting title last year as opposed to whatever we've seen this year, that Starling Marte has a better season. And as you get on in years in this game the likelihood of that happening, of reverting to who you were two years ago, three years ago, becomes less and less. Because that is the nature of the sport. So any Mets fans who are still paying attention, who are hoping to get to the end of the season quietly, with a little bit of dignity, and then we will take another crack at this thing next year, you're going to have a rude awakening. Because to take another crack at this thing next year, you essentially have to build up the same roster you did this year. And clearly, clearly, that didn't work. And what that team put forth on that field yesterday was a disgrace. 21 to 3 was as bad as it gets. And then game two came and said, hold my beer. Six to nothing. 27 to 3. We'll get into the Mets. We'll talk about the Yankees. Top of the hour. uh, We'll get into the Yankees a little bit more. Jets and Giants. Anything on your mind on this Sunday morning. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Bring your kitty. Bring your wife. Bring your kitties, bring your wife, then leave the ballpark after a 21-3 to loss, get back online, pay another gate to get back in, and get treated to a 6 nothing loss in the nightcap of a split doubleheader. I mean, that just, look, I understand the schedule is set in advance, but what they did yesterday just makes it worse. It really does. You couldn't have given fans both of those performances for the price of one yesterday. My goodness. It's Sunday Funday on 98.7 ESPN, presented by Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier takes cocktails from ordinary to unforgettable, adding a layer of sophistication to come of the world's most well-loved cocktails. Pat O'Keefe in for Anita, here until noon on 98.7. The Mets are the the topic to begin our show today. They lose 27-3 in combined games Yesterday, 21-3 to three and 6 to nothing. Uh Buck Showalter's thoughts on losing the first one, 21-3.
2: No, it's, it's hard, but, uh, you know, they're trying. Fortunately, we got a game to take away that feeling here for too long. That's the way I look at it. And uh, it's tough when, you know, Denny gave us everything he could there. We took him as far as we could. But, you know, innings are at a premium, same way with Garrett. Uh, with Reed, but uh, obviously got away from us. Just not doing it much offensively Kill Bogey's home run. It was been a real challenge for us to get some people out there. We just can't, you know, can't make it work for us.
1: Right. It was thirteen to nothing before Daniel Vogelbach hit a three-run home run, and that was all their offense yesterday. Eighteen combined innings, a three-run home run by Daniel Vogelbach in a game that was already thirteen to nothing, and that accounted for all of the Mets' offense yesterday. You know, the 1992 Mets, who are largely credited with being the worst team money could buy, and that was a different era of baseball. That team's entire payroll was probably less than or in the same neighborhood as what Scherzer and Verlander were being paid or are still being paid by the Mets collectively. They were 72 and 90. It's funny, you hear worst team money can buy. Yes, they had the highest payroll in baseball. They had a lot of high-priced free agents, Saberhagen. Uh, Eddie Murray, that didn't work out. But 72 and 90, I don't think this Mets team is going to finish 72 and 90. I think this Mets team is ticketed for a last place finish in the National League East, which would be an unbelievably precipitous fall because you have in your division a small market team in the Miami Marlins who are once again overachieving and competing for a playoff spot. And you also have a team in the Washington Nationals that has admittedly torn things down in the hopes of rebuilding their franchise. So now you're going to have a team that over the last decade has had more success than you, has won a World Series during that time. Since the World Series, trade one of the best young stars in Major League Baseball to set their franchise back on a course towards relevance, they're doing that, and while doing that, they're still better or going to be better than the Mets, who started the season with a $364 million payroll. It's a bad deal right now. one 800 let us open up the phone lines. Let's start things off with Manny and Flushing. Manny, good morning. Good morning, Ty. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Manny. How are you? Good, man. I, I
0: never met the Mets, man. They are now the biggest circus in town right now. I mean, I can't uh, it's amazing, you know, how a year can change. I mean, they went from the most beloved and now they're the, the most hated team. And now think about this, I mean now this it's amazing. You know, last year the one wavelength wins and everybody everybody was chatting, he'll go beat the Mets and people say oh they'll be better than Yankees because they have the highest payroll and now they're like you know, they're fifty two and sixty four. Their last in their division, they got blown. They basically got blown out twice. (laughs) I mean, it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's not good, Manny. And, And you know what? Thanks for the call. You used a word that I think is relevant, and they're becoming the most hated team in New York. And that's not what you want to be. And how you become hated is by putting forth performances like the two you did yesterday. Because those were complete no-shows. That's non-competitive baseball. And if you want to do that the last two weeks of September, not that you want to do that, but you know what I mean. The last two weeks of September is the time to do that. When the pennant race is clearly over, when the NFL season has begun, when college football season has begun, when there are other distractions from your fans. That's how sports works and it has worked like that in this town for a long time because it's been a long time since a New York team won a championship or even contended for a championship but you start the season excuse me you start the year and you're in the middle of basketball season and you follow the Knicks until their chances have run out and then by that point The baseball season is here. So then you lock into the Yankees or the Mets. And if you're a Yankees fan, you begin every season with the expectation that your team will be in the hunt. And if you're a Mets fan, the last two or three years, you have certainly begun the season like that as well. And then you hope that the baseball season can at least carry you into the football season. And for the Yankees, it always does. And despite all the Yankees troubles, it probably will this year as well. I find it hard to believe that the Yankees are going to be out of the pennant race. Do I think the Yankees are going to the playoffs? I don't. Well, if Max Goodman from NJ.com and the Star Ledger on at the top of the hour to talk about the Yankees, by the way. I don't think the Yankees are going to the playoffs, but the NFL season opens September 10th here in New York. Do I expect the Yankees to be out of contention by then? I do not. But at least then if you're a Yankees fan, that leads into football season then as the Yankees' chances dwindle, you can lock in on the Giants or on the Jets. But if you're a Mets fan, what do you have right now? What do you have? Giants preseason? Tyrod Taylor? Zach Wilson? Israel Abanakanda? Like, what are you locking in on right now if you're a Mets fan? 101 wins last year. $364 million payroll. Expectations through the roof. And it's... What's the date, Tom? August 13th? It is 13th. Thank you, Harvey. August 13th. And you're done. You're not going to play a Jets game until September 11th. We're a month away from that. What do you have? We'll talk about the Jets. But it was a pretty ho-hum 27-0 preseason victory yesterday in which very few of the regulars played. So there's not a ton to talk about right now. We'll get to Makai Becton playing 27 snaps. Sure, that's a good sign. Zach Wilson actually looks good. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if Jets fans are wanting to hear that because it's just preseason games, but he's looked pretty good so far. But you have to have something else if you're a Mets fan, and right now you absolutely don't. You know, at least you would like to see these young guys, And, and it coincides with sending Brett Beatty back down to the minors because he was struggling so much. But once you wave the white flag, as a Mets fan, as a fan of that team, the only thing you have left is to watch some of the young guys and hope that they develop. You know, Francisco Alvarez, he's really the story of the season, and then you just hope, and this is where it is dangerous for a sports fan because this is really all the Mets fans have for next year, but you hope that the guys that are supposed to lead the team get things right by the start of next season. But the way you become a team that is quote-unquote hated, and that's the word that Manny, our last caller, used, is by putting forth disgusting performances like you did yesterday. 27-3. to And you also go through recent years in New York sports, and from time to time, it's fun to ask the question, and Tom and, and Harvey, I'll ask this of you right now, It's fun to ask the question, which New York team at this moment is closest to winning a championship? And what would you say, Tom? At the beginning of the season... No, no, no. Right now. Well, I was going to say, at the beginning of the season, I felt it would have been the Mets or the Yankees. But obviously those fortunes have changed. Right now, the team that I think can most win, it's got to be probably the Jets, to be honest. They have the most realistic expectation, I think. And how about you, Harvey? And the Red Bulls don't count. I was so close to saying it, too. Um, (laughs) No, I would either go with it's either the Jets or if you you really want to go out there, maybe the Rangers. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Isn't that amazing, though? That was a bird, though, but... (laughs) <laughs> isn't isn't that amazing? Devils count for the sake of this argument, by the way. Oh, then I'll replace the double, the Rangers with Devils. Jets but and Devils for me. The Jets. I mean, they're one of the first teams that come to mind for me as well. And you go back, the beginning of the baseball season, I would have absolutely said the Mets, even more so than the Yankees. They were a better team than the Yankees were last year. In recent years, it wasn't too long ago that the answer to that question was the Brooklyn Nets. It was the Mets back in April. Before that, it was the Brooklyn Nets. It's been the Rangers recently. Uh, It's been the Islanders a couple of years before that. But it changes so dramatically. And to think that in April, the answer to that question for me, for you, Tom, maybe for you, Harvey, and for a lot of other people out there, in April, which New York team is going to win the next championship? I think the most popular answer would have been the Mets. Even more so than the Yankees. And for them to go... From there to here, where they are now, is such an unbelievable fall from grace. I think the Mets fans are still suffering from whiplash as a result of it. And performances like yesterday are certainly not going to help.
0: You're listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.
1: So what do we have today? We got the Mets on Sunday Night Baseball. That's the last thing they need. Kodai Senga, the ace of the staff, 8-6, and 3.24, uh, against Yanni Chirinos for the Atlanta Braves. So that's 7 o'clock. Yankees and Marlins, rubber match of their three-game series in Miami. It's been a good series so far. Yankees have Garrett Cole on the mound. With the state of the Yankees rotation, these are the games that they absolutely have to win. They did not win Cole's last start. He got off to a slow start. The offense did not help him out at all. There is, and I've been saying this all summer long, there is so little margin for error for the Yankees. They have to, now more than ever, with, not that you got anything out of Rodon, but with Rodon out, with Cortez out again, with Clark Schmidt entrenched as your number two starter, you have, you have to win every start that Gerard Cole makes. I mean, that's the only path towards the playoffs, and Frankly, there's not an easy path towards the playoffs anyway. So the Yanks and Marlins at 140 in Miami. Yanks looking for a season, uh, excuse me, a series victory against the Marlins. Monkey Sports from beginner to pro, they have what you need to take your sports game to the next level. Visit MonkeySports.com. Let's go back to the phones and check in with Brian in Manhattan. Brian, what's up?
2: Hey, Pat. How are you, um, Mets fan? I considered, you know, getting a partial season's ticket this year. I considered buying tickets in advance, and I decided against it and figured, you know, if and when the games were important, I'd, you know, get tickets week of, day of. And I have to tell you, I'm so glad. I feel really bad for, you know, for people who made the decision to purchase season's tickets, to purchase partial plans. That said, I think the decisions they made at the deadline were prudent. Um, I think the owner knows what he's doing. You know, most owners would throw bad money uh, after good or good after bad. I don't even know what the saying is. But I I think the retool and getting rid of the hired guns and sort of trying to start over, at least build, is the smart play. So even though I'm disappointed and yesterday, and I didn't see even an inning of it, the, the, the good news, Pat, is that it's the summer and there's things to do. And it just doesn't include watching the Mets right now.
1: And nor should it. And that's a good call, Brian. And thanks for it. I agree with you. uh, And and good job by you trying to wait. Because I know a lot of Mets fans that the furthest thing from their mind at the beginning of this season was that their season tickets would be worthless by August 13th. Worthless. That was not even a consideration. And again, I go back to my point from earlier. Last week, and I am included in this, the way that they finished the season, they tailed off towards the end of September. I remember last year doing a couple of shows with Rick DiPietro and noted Mets fan. It was right around this time. It might have been a year ago to the day. It was the middle of August, and the Mets were off and running, and they were cruising. And I just remember Rick saying at that time, Can we please just get to the end of the regular season? There is nothing more to prove in the regular season. There's nowhere to go from here but down. And that's exactly what happened. Sometimes you peak too early. And at this point last year, when you listed the teams in baseball that had a chance to win the World Series, it was the Yankees. Because the Yankees got off to that great start last year. Although by this time last year, the wheels were starting to come off. But the Yankees got themselves off to such a great start last year that they were still on that short list. The Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets. And if you looked at the three National League teams, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets, the Mets, in my mind at that point, and in the minds of many, many others... Were the favorites. First of all, they had the best record. And second, oh no, the Dodgers I think had the best record. But the Mets had Scherzer and DeGrom. Scherzer and DeGrom. Scherzer and DeGrom. That's all we heard last year. And Diaz. And Diaz is a big part of this equation. Don't get me wrong. Diaz completely set this franchise on its side. But I'll also say this about the Diaz injury. The only guy, and I understand it took away from their bullpen depth... But the only guy who was on this team this year that outperformed expectations, the only guy, was the guy who replaced Edwin Diaz. So yes, the Diaz injury set you back, tremendously so. It was such a a shot to the system for the franchise. There's no question about that. But David Robertson pitched almost as well as you could have expected Edwin Diaz to pitch. Now, you could say, well, if you had Diaz there and then Robertson's our eighth inning guy and Ottavino and Rayleigh are doing the seventh inning, then the bullpen has a lot more depth. And early in the season, if you do remember, when the Mets were treading water, the bullpen gave up a lot of games. So yes, you could look at it like that. But that's the ironic part. Losing Diaz obviously hurt. But the guy who replaced him was one of the few guys who did his job. Let's go to Richard in Manhattan. Richard, good morning.
0: Pat, what Steve Cohen did is despicable. David Robinson was the MVP of the team to trade him away. Do you know who pitched the last seven-inning game for the New York Mets? Burlander. No. The guy you're telling me everyone hates. 23 days ago, Friday night, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. Well, I didn't say Orlando pitch well. I didn't, I didn't pitching well. To pull the plug on a season like that, self induced, trading away an MVP, I've never heard of that. I don't understand it. I don't understand why they gave. If DeMar Hamlin can play football eight months after, seven months, seven months, and that occurred in January. Today is August. If DeMar Hamlin can play football seven months after, after suffering a cardiac arrest on a football field, I think the Mets, five games under 500, could have made with two Hall of Famers and an MVP season relief pitcher, Robertson, pitching the way they were and just starting to get going. I think the Mets could have made the playoffs. But that's me. I think Cohen gave in to the fans or the media or everybody telling him. That they have no chance because this is what's going on. The most expensive team, money combined, end up playing like this. Anyway, I just want to get to my Aaron Rodgers point. Okay. I hope Rodgers has the effect that Bill Parcells had in 97. Yep. The Jets played eight games better. They went from one win in 95 and, and 96 nine wins, eight games at nine wins in 97 with should, Parcells. Should have
1: made the playoffs. They lost to the there, Lions. I hope
0: Rodgers has the effect that Y.A. Tittle had in 61, 62, and 63 for the New York Giants. They went to the NFL championship game, came close in two out of the three games, couldn't pull through. But I hope Rodgers has the effect that either Tittle or Bill Parcells had on the Giants' and Jets respectively, as long as he can stay healthy. That's what I hope Aaron Rodgers can do. And why are fans burying, why are the media burying Zach Wilson? He's not done. The kid is 23 years old. I hope he comes and has a great season. You know what, Pat? I'm hoping Texas and Houston play for the American League Championship, and Verlander and Scherzer go at each other for five games or six games or seven-game series. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Robertson do well with the uh, Marlins. They get to the uh, uh, World Series. I'd love to see all of this. these guys come back and show how good they really are. You know, I don't understand, Pat. Houston wanted Verlander. Texas wanted Scherzer. But the New York Mets didn't want these two guys. That doesn't make sense to me, Pat. Doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, always a pleasure, Pat.
1: Thanks, Richard. You know what? You had an owner whose expectations were sky high. He's an emotional guy. And clearly, if you look at his business dealings, Steve Cohen is not a man used to things not going his way. Did he overreact in this situation? I do think he did. Was it the absolute wrong move to give up on the season? I'm not willing to say that only because because of the level of guys that they traded, Robertson, and more specifically Scherzer and Verlander, and Cohen's willingness to eat a lot of money on those contracts. The Mets needed to restock their farm system. And in the course of three moves, they were able to acquire a foundation for their farm system and this is still the team that's going to spend money going forward it just has to be the right kind of money and it has to be the right balance between free agents and homegrown development
0: you're listening to pat o'keefe on 98.7 espn
1: Well, Hard Knocks is ready for takeoff. The Emmy-winning HBO original docu-series Hard Knocks Training Camp with the New York Jets is back. This season gives fans unprecedented access to the most talked-about story in football. Can Robert Salas Jets, with new four-time MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers and his squad of emerging stars and prominent veterans, become a playoff team again? Hard Knocks is now streaming with new episodes every Tuesday on Max. Maybe the idea for HBO and Hard Knocks was to regenerate some interest. I I think it may have waned in recent years, but especially in this area, and of course there's some geographical bias, but in this area, having the Jets on, having Aaron Rodgers as the centerpiece, uh, it is a home run, in my opinion. Episode one I thought was interesting, uh, and I'm really looking forward to learning about Look, it was all about Aaron Rodgers to kind of whet the appetite and get the ball rolling. That was not surprising. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have in store next week and the last few episodes leading up to the start of the NFL season. So uh, hard knocks every Tuesday night. We mentioned um, in our last caller with Richard and Tom Bauer, our producer, made a good point when uh, the DeMar Hamlin comparison to Max Scherzer and – Justin Verlander continuing to pitch with the team was made. I was wondering where Richard was going. But, you know, as he often does, Richard found a way to land the plane on that. Cohen got frustrated. It's as simple as that. And it is interesting. I was on the air that night when it was that Thursday night when Scherzer pitched seven innings, beat the Nationals. It was the start of a four-game weekend series. Scherzer pitched extremely well. Now, I disagree With Richard's point that Scherzer was starting to pitch well, his previous start was a disaster. Scherzer was extremely inconsistent right up until the end, and his next start, which was his first start with Texas, was also a disaster. Verlander did his job. Scherzer did not do his job. But right after that game when David Robertson was traded, leading to Max Scherzer making his comments following his outing about his future with the team – And next thing you know, it was Tuesday evening. The trade deadline had passed and six Mets, including two future Hall of Famers, were no longer a part of the organization. All right, football season is back and you have the chance to be part of the action by winning tickets to Jets training camp, courtesy of your local Honda dealers. Keep it locked in for your chance to win. Coming up later in the show, visit your local Honda dealer for a great deal today. Honda is a proud partner of the New York Jets. Boy, did the Jets look good yesterday. They scored... As many points as the Atlanta Braves scored. But the Braves needed two games to get to 27 against the Mets. The Jets did it in one game. And it was nearly the identical score, except for a Daniel Vogelbach three-run home run when it was already 13 nothing in game one. It would have been the identical score. The Jets win and the Mets combined losses to the Braves yesterday. But we'll talk a lot about the Jets as the morning continues after their 27 nothing win. Because of the Hall of Fame game, they've already got two games under their belts. I do think Zach Wilson looks good. I do think the defense looks good. How do the Yankees look? Well, not so good. We'll talk about them when we come up next on eight seven ESPN New York.
0: You are listening to Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN.